Welcome to the 66th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and alongside me, I have my co-host and the chef to the Spider-Man No Way Home hype kitchen, Adrian Pinter. How does it go, sir? General Gnome, it goes quite well. How are you, man? Simon? I, I, I'm good. I'm good. That's good. I'm good. I, 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 I'm interested to know why you felt the urge to say Simon. <laughs> I just want people to know your name. I introduced myself as Simon Easy at the top, didn't I? I know. Oh, I thought maybe I slipped up. But I want them to hear it twice. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, my name is Simon. Your name is Adrian. And we're going we're gonna to do a podcast now. Thrice. Isn't that exciting? Episode 66. Yes. Execute Order 66. Oh, good reference. Thank you. A good reference indeed. Mm-hmm. Adrian, I want to bring up uh, a little photo at the top of our show here. Uh, a photo that I, I'd imagine you were very excited for, but I'm not sure because we haven't talked about it because we don't talk outside this podcast. The photo of HBO's The Last of Us. They're making a TV series based on the video game, The Last of Us. What did you think of that photo, that set photo with Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey? Oh my goodness, Simon, I saw that photo. And you know what I thought? I thought that looks like that looks like Ellie and Joel standing in front of a field looking at a plane. It's exactly what I thought. Oh, yeah, there is a plane there, isn't there? Yeah. I didn't see that. I'm looking at that now. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, the plane mm. is just, yeah, it's, it's broken down there. It's interesting because I never, I did not, like, I don't think there's a scene in the game of them looking at a broken down plane. Um, So, odd thing to just release for the first one. But either way, again, it looks really good. Like, again, they look exactly as I thought they would look realistically. Um, and yeah, and from behind, yeah, from behind. Exactly. Which to be fair, that's usually how we like in the game, you know, the camera's behind them. So very good, uh, back comparisons. Um, good, good marketing, arguably you mm-hmm. make, make that good comparison that you do see them from behind and this is a cut scene. Yeah. That's actually kind of a neat, a neat throwback to the game. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think this is going to be honoring the game. In the series the game is about, I feel like it's going to honor it quite well. Yeah. Especially because Neil Druckmann is even, I don't know if we talked about this, but he's even directing some of the episodes. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. Neil Druckmann being the uh, creator of The Last of Us, along with uh, Bruce Straley, actually. They created the first one together. But yeah, yeah, he is actually directing, uh, I, I think at least one episode is what I read correctly. And it was pretty funny because I saw like a tweet Um that uh you know like someone posting about oh awesome like neil Druckmann's directing an episode of the hbo series and the top tweet says like but this guy wrote the last of us (laughs) too which uh which to me i don't know made me laugh because uh last of us two uh for lack of a better term is very controversial amongst the industry i love it i know you love it i think it's fantastic and the critics love it as well people Mm -hmm. who play video games for a living love it that's what i would say so. Yeah, exactly. And uh, but yeah, like obviously uh, a bunch of people don't like it. And I don't know. I just found it funny. I'm like, dude, does this guy not know that he also wrote the first one? Uh, it's, it was an interesting uh, little post, but 
Right. The tweet was supposed to be negative. There was some yeah. other negative sentence in there. He didn't mm-hmm. just mention that it, he wrote the second one, but he was mentioning, but it's terrible. Or he put a little emoji of like puking or something. I don't yeah. know. Anyways, that, yeah, that's ridiculous. And both of them are masterpieces. I actually like the second game better personally. But Me too. Um, I just think that the way it's the story is told is masterful. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Um Again, I'm I'm super curious about this HBO series and if they're going to fill in a bunch of these like gaps that uh, the game doesn't really cover because uh, between the first game and the second game is about five years, if I recall correctly. So I wonder if they're going to, you know, explore that uh, time frame um, or not and, and, and kind of, uh, yeah, move the universe forward. I, I can't wait for this. Honestly, I, I cannot wait for this. I'm excited to show it to my family um, so they can, you know, understand how awesome game stories can be and it's not just like in a super mario or whatever just hopping side to side or shooting things and just killing things like there's there's emotion and depth behind these uh stories and i can't i can't wait to share this with uh them speaking of bridging gaps i'm sure they're going to bridge the gap of how oceanic 815 landed in that field so Mm -hmm. exciting yeah because i i too don't remember a plane in either either part of the story yeah so okay okay adrian uh, what have you been watching this week? I'm curious. I, I've had a busy week. I've watched a lot of things, TV and films. Mm-hmm. What have you watched? I've watched a good uh, chunk of stuff as well, um, two of which I know you have watched because I watched them near you, not with you, because we don't talk outside this podcast, but I, I did watch them with you in in a in the in a close vicinity. Um and uh, but but before I jump into those two movies, I'm going to I'm going to just briefly talk about sandwiches, a show that is taking the world. Oh, sandwiches. Yeah, we haven't talked about food in a long time. Oh, and I'm, yeah, I'm wondering if the lack of you talking about food is uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's it's an omen of some sort. Mm. So I, I, I just thought you would talk about the burger you ate last night or whatever. No. Um, you know what I am going to talk about though briefly about food. Oh no. Is that I like going to Chuck's Roadhouse here in uh, here here in Canada. Chuck's Roadhouse. I don't know if it's in the states or whatever, but That's a good question. Is it in the states? I don't know. It's everywhere here in Guelph though. There's like 5 of them or something. There's <laughs> it's two. kind of ridiculous. <laughs> it seems like there's a lot of them though for yeah. one city. And and uh, I I love Chuck's Roadhouse. You go after 9 p.m. They got half price apps. It's delicious. They got cheap drinks like cheap beer, cheap alcohol. Beer is alcohol. It is cheap stuff. And and it's a good time. I I like going to Chuck's. Like if I'm, if I'm going to go out and, you know, catch up with someone, I I go to Chuck's Roadhouse after 9 p.m. and, you know, get half price apps. But alas, Simon, they have removed an appetizer, which I so much, like I I enjoy so much. And it is the calamari, Simon. Oh no. They have removed the calamari from the appetizer menu. And uh, it's, uh, it's heartbreaking because I really like, calamari you know deep fried breaded you dip it in like a nice like spicy uh, thai chili sauce that they serve it with mm, i love it but now they don't serve it at all and like when i was there the server was like honestly we haven't had it in like all that often for for a couple months now like you you probably know this because you've tried to order it and and we haven't had it before and i said yes i did try to order it at one point and it was sold out but it was still on the menu right and i i, I just wasn't expecting it to be gone is it is it because there's a is there a uh, shortage of squid out there or um it's definitely possible but anyways on the topic of squid I'm gonna talk about a show that is taking the world by storm called Squid Game have you heard of it 
Oh, wow. What a transition. Wow, that's masterful, ladies and gentlemen. Adrian Pinter. I have heard of it, yeah. You know what's crazy about Squid Game is it's actually potentially on track, and we're going to talk about this a little later, mm-hmm. on track to be the most popular show ever to launch on Netflix yeah. within its first 28 days, which is crazy. It's- so you, you started watching Squid Game, eh? Like what? <laughs> I keep seeing trailers for it like pop up on Netflix. Like It mm-hmm. keeps coming up like the screenshot. And my girlfriend's sitting next to me and she's like, what the heck is that? Every time. Because <laughs> it's just this person with this weird mask. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about because I've seen the first two episodes so far. So how is it? It's really good, man. It's really good. Um, I have a few buddies that recommended it to me. Um, and I was like, screw it. I'll watch it. And it's a it's a Korean show. Uh, I think it's you can watch it dubbed in English. It's like dubbed by default. But I, I immediately switched it over to Korean with subtitles. Um and it's uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm really into it. Again, only two episodes deep, so I'm excited to see where the story goes. But it it, it pretty much just follows uh, like a group of characters, mo- mostly one guy in the beginning, at least in the first episode, who's just like down on his luck. He's he's kind of a piece of shit. He like gambles his money a lot, and you know he's he's usually doesn't have much money to support like his mom or his like daughter and everything like that. And you know he's just kind of like a a little bit of a dirt bag. Uh, but then gets this opportunity to play a game with a guy, uh, and opportunity in qu- in quotations. No, no squids involved. There's no actual. Squid. Oh, oh, oh! It's a regular game. However, um, when the show starts off, they explain a game that they used to play as children. Uh, I guess like Korean children played called the Squid Game, and they kind of explain the rules and everything like that. But uh, yeah, anyways, uh, so he's playing this game with this guy and and the guy like, you know, gives him money for winning. And he's like, listen, you can win bigger if you call this number on this card and hands him this card. And then he does. And then, you know, gets, I guess, taken, uh, like goes to a meetup spot and then gets brought to this like uh, facility uh, with like a bunch of people in there. And um, pretty much just they say like, hey, if you play these these games that you played as children, um you'll win a shit ton of money. Uh, And it kind of progresses from there. And these like kid games aren't uh, necessarily as child friendly anymore. And, and, and it goes quite wild fairly quickly. Uh, And I really, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I want to keep watching it. I just haven't had like the most amount of time uh, in the past few days, just, you know, working and doing errands. And I've, I've just been a little bit tired, but uh, I'm probably going to binge it um, over the course of, you know, this weekend. And uh, yeah, I'll definitely get, give a deeper update next week. But it, I can see why people are liking it so much. It's it's freaking cool, and it's very well acted, and I'm really enjoying it. Cool, that's great. Yeah, hmm. a most dangerous game, Adrian. A most dangerous Squid Game. Yeah, very much. So. The beginning of that story, the beginning of how you described it, kind of sounded like that concept. Yeah, it's similar, definitely. A little bit. I'm sure but not. But then not. Yeah, I, I'm. How many episodes are there of this show? Do you know? Uh, I don't. Uh, I I didn't check. I, I think episode two is the season finale, so I think it's done. What? It's my new character, Simon, the guy that doesn't know when the season finales are for shows. Oh, I get it. Cause you did. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. But yeah, I don't Speaking know. Speaking of uh, season finales, oh. did you end up watching Brooklyn Nine Nine? Oh, I did indeed. I finished it. I finished it, Simon. Did you? Oh, good. I did. I did. Oh. Are you sure you finished it or you just got the episode eight? That joke doesn't land as well because you already, you already. No, I actually watched the real season finale. Episode. Um, I thought I watched the season finale, but then another episode started playing and I was like, oh my God, 
this is the season finale. <laughs> and uh, then I, uh, yeah, I watched it. Uh, I really, I really liked it. What did you think? Um, I loved it. Oh man, I teared up. It was good. It was great. Uh, I think, uh, I think uh, my girlfriend te- teared up as well. We just, uh, we really, we really love this show. I love this show. It's so good. I can't, can't believe I'm going to be without it again. Mm-hmm. Even though I watched it so quickly in a span of like five days. I uh, just love their their timing. Everything, this cast is so great. Everything is so funny. And, and despite the fact that, again, they handle pretty deep topics. Mm-hmm. But it's so fitting that they ended it with like a, the concept of that, the heist, the Halloween heist. Mm-hmm. I think that, that was a good way to end it because I feel like those are some of the best episodes throughout the series. Yeah, I agree. I was worried that they wouldn't have one this season because they have, have one almost every season or most seasons. So... uh Obviously, while this show was airing, there was no holiday for it to uh, be a part of. Again, they usually do it for Halloween. So I'm glad that they brought it in um, for, yeah, those like final two episodes. It, it made for like a really fun ride. And there's a lot of callbacks uh, in those last two episodes, especially with, you know, former characters getting like reintroduced or, you know, you just meet them again, whatever. Um, and yeah, and again, I, I really loved this ending and I, I do agree with you. Like it was like emotional and it was heartfelt, but it was still absolutely hilarious um, despite dealing with those like difficult topics, darker topics. Um, and yeah, I definitely cried at the end as well. There, the one scene in particular really got me. Um, and I'm sure that's the scene that you're talking about as well. And yeah, uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I know. I know, <laughs> I know what you're, I know what you're saying. Right on brother. I know what you're putting down. The, um, the, the crazy thing, I feel like just Michael Schur's finales, like any of his shows, when they end, they seem to end very well. Like he just mm-hmm. doesn't, he doesn't miss the mark on the ending, which I think is so important. And it's just, I can't think of a show that I've watched that he's made that's been that's ended poorly. I, I thought the office ended masterfully. Like it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I thought that, uh, I can't remember for some reason. I can't remember parks and Rec's ending. I don't know why, but I know oh, you I, loved it. I remember it. that it was, yeah, I, I adored that ending as well. It's that last season was awesome. And, uh, again, really funny too. And of course, the good place just ended recently as well. Yeah. And that was amazing too. So I sobbed. Yeah. I sobbed at the end of that show. It was masterful again. Mm-hmm. So well done. Yeah. I'm, I'm going for the record of how many times I can say masterful in one episode of our podcast here, by the way. Okay. It's the masterful episode. Let's do it. Let's start a tally. How many are you at? Eight? I think I'm at three. Okay. I think I'm at three. three. Not sure. Not completely sure. You can keep uh, track for me though, if, if possible. Because um, sometimes it's just the masterfuls just slip out. Oh, there's another one. one. Four. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'll try to, but I probably won't succeed. Anyways. Alrighty. What else did you watch? You watched the Squid Game. You watched Brooklyn Nine Nine. Anything else? I watched two movies, Simon. Two. Oh. Do you want me to start with the one that I liked or the one that I disliked? Uh, yeah. Let's go. Let's go to the one you liked. Let's do that. Alrighty. So the movie that I watched this week that I really liked is the movie called The Eyes of Tammy Faye. <gasps> Oh, gasp. And I know you watched it as well. We watched it at the Princess Twin Theaters uh, over in Waterloo, which is really nice. A nice little indie theater. Uh, we like supporting that, you know, smaller indie theater. Support your local theater, gang. Support it. Support it. Anyways, this movie's really good. Um, I really liked it. I wasn't familiar with Tammy Faye or the, or this uh, story about these televangelists that essentially conned people out of money. Um over the course of, you know, decades, like from the late 50s, or early 60s, all the way until like practically what the 80s or 90s. I can't remember exactly. I think the movie ends 
around 94 and yeah it's 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 really well done i'm i think the acting between both andrew garfield and jessica chastain is fantastic jessica chastain especially is amazing and the prosthetics i think you've mentioned it before on this podcast uh the prosthetics on jessica chastain make her unrecognizable um like by the end of the movie i was like that's tammy faye like it's not jessica chastain and that's not only uh, a shout out again to the prosthetics, but the amazing portrayal of this uh, of this woman uh, that Jessica Chastain did. And uh, again, I really liked this movie and I really liked, you know, following along with all these like twists and turns and this and, and, and you know, this very wild and crazy story that actually happened. I don't know how accurate the film is to the real events. I imagine they're fairly accurate. Um, if not like as accurate as possible, really. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Again, I really liked it. What did you think of it? Um, I liked it as well. I uh, I found it's I don't know. It's, it's one of those things. It's a uh, this movie. It hits these points where I, I'm just like I don't know if you could just speed things along a little mm. bit quicker in, in the way that their pacing operates. It's just there's moments where they're just praying for long periods of time. Not to be like, you know, I'm not trying to be anti-Christian or anything. Yeah. I'm just saying that as a as a pacing concept, I feel like it could have moved itself along a little bit. And then there's moments where I feel like they didn't explain enough. And that's a weird situation. But like yeah. the, the fact that they kind of didn't explain how Jim Baker and how Tammy Faye kind of built this empire. They kind of just like, oh, we're there. We did it. We built a network. Yeah, there are a few time jumps for sure. And also like what happened to their kids? Yeah, it's true. Um, interestingly, I believe they consulted, I think it was their kids to actually make the movie. So in terms of its actual accuracy, I don't know if that, which way that lends itself to the accuracy of the, the facts in the movie, but that, that was something that they did as well. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it, feel, it felt kind of even keeled. Like it didn't kind of, it didn't demonize them too much, despite the fact that they were clearly defrauding people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, that's kind of an interesting thing. And Jim Baker is still doing his thing. He's still doing televangelism right now. Did you know that? Yeah, which is wild. Yeah, that's crazy. They, yeah, it's, it's nice that they, I guess, accepted him back into that community despite all the all the shit he did. Um, all the controversy and him being in jail. Yeah. Got out of jail and did it again. It's interesting. Well, I'm sure he's not defrauding people, hopefully, but... Hopefully. Unknown. Yeah. Uh, on the topic of like that, those long scenes with them praying and everything like that, honestly, I found it to be, I don't know if it's purposeful, but it was quite funny. Like the ridiculousness and the, how over the top some of the praying was and how they were acting was. I, 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 I feel like this movie's like, so like a surprising comedy. I didn't think it was supposed to be this funny. And I, again, I don't know if it was actually meant to be as funny as I found it. With again that over top, over the top like Christian nature, like again, I was I was raised in the Catholic household and I like went to Catholic school and stuff, so I, I've seen that like this sort of thing. But uh, especially like earlier, like these, you know, like the in the nineteen fifties or whenever when she's in that first church and they start speaking in like God, like those God tongue or whatever, and like the music's going and everyone's like shaking and everything like that. Like it's to me that's absolutely hilarious because it's just such a wild concept that like you have so much faith and you can believe like that. And you, and you do these <laughs> like for lack of a better term, like wacky things. Uh, I, I don't mean to come off as offensive, but like to me it was like quite hilarious. Yeah. I, I, it was less about that part. Like that you found funny. It was more so the parts I just felt like it outstayed its welcome. Like there was mm. moments cause this movie's like clocks in at like two hours and like six minutes. 
Yeah. It just felt like it was a little long for for Long's sake. And then it didn't dive into some of the more controversial things like, you know, Jim Baker, there's that controversy with his sexuality. Oh, yeah. They didn't really go into it enough. Like it felt like they were just – they were hitting the surface and then jumping away. It was a very unusual thing and, and that's the same thing with the – how were they defrauding their uh, constituents or the uh, – their sponsors or whatever. Like how were they defrauding them exactly? Like in yeah. what ways? We saw it, but it was like, did you really go into it enough? It's a strange situation. And then I don't know. It's, it's interesting because I, I mentioned Jim Baker's sexuality and the you know the potential controversy there. But maybe, maybe it's because it's literally called the eyes of Tammy Faye. It's what she sees. Exactly. She's that. kind of blind to this concept of what's really happening. Mm-hmm. But I think she would have known how her empire was built. I think that that would have been known. Like, yeah, she wasn't that blind. We it, it time jumped in a in a in a spot in the movie, and I'm like, I don't think you should have time jumped here. And there's other spots you could have kind of skipped along. That yeah, that's kind of the thing that that got me. But as you said, for acting, Jessica Chastain, Andrew Garfield, completely agree. They were amazing. Both of them were awesome. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio is great because he's mm-hmm. always great and everything. He's fantastic too in this. Um, yeah, I really. There's a lot of good, great moments in the movie. It's just the pacing and the way that it was done in some spots. The, the things that they chose to focus on, to me, were a little weird mm-hmm. compared to what they could have focused on, I guess. But other than that, I, I did like it. This movie is not amazingly reviewed, but it's not badly reviewed. It's like 60-something percent on Rotten Tomatoes mm-hmm. by, by critics. But Yeah. 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 Would you recommend this movie? So that's actually this. So the last two movies, we watched the Card Counter, and we watched I don't know about the last two movies, but two movies that you found to be controversial for recommending were the the Card Counter and the Green Knight. You mm-hmm. thought maybe I wouldn't recommend this to my dad, which yeah. I think is interesting. Um, would I recommend this? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it's interesting. It's an interesting story overall. Would you recommend this to your dad? I would actually. My dad likes these sort oh. of bio, like bio, biography movies and these like drama movies, and I think, like I think he'd get a chuckle out of that, like the intense Christianity and stuff like that. And he he, he just likes movies like this where you know he like learns about history or whatever. He's a he's he's okay, a big cool. into that sort of stuff. So uh, I think I, I would definitely recommend this to my dad, and I feel like my mom would probably like it as well. Cool. Okay. So you'd recommend it in general or just to your family? Um, I would recommend it in general. Like, the, well, I would obviously know the person's like movie taste, and I, I would say like if you like biography movies, like biopics or whatever, and you know, like like these more uh, nonfiction stories, then yeah, definitely, I, I would recommend it. Uh, I don't know if I would like recommend it to someone that's you know just into those like zombie brained uh, Marvel movies. You know, what I'm, you know what I mean? Oh, wow! <laughs> Look at you channeling the Denis Villeneuve inside. Yeah. You know, if, uh, yeah, exactly. We just need more original stuff. Wow. That's what I'm saying, Simon. Like this movie. I see. Incredible. Yeah. Speaking of original stuff, oh. uh, I watched another movie that you also watched this week. And we watched it recently because we watched mm-hmm. it on that, whatever, the pre-screening day, the day before the launch. Yeah. Um, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, a movie directed by Andy Serkis. Mm-hmm. What did you think of Venom Let There Be Carnage, Adrian? Did you love that movie? Uh, no, I, I I feel like you did. I dislike this movie. I think this is a bad movie. What? Um, yeah, honestly, uh, this is just so ridiculous. It, so this movie just doubled down on that um, absolute like, you know, the Tom Hardy Venom relationship that we saw kind of 
uh, or that that we saw begin in the in the first Venom movie, realistically. And they just kind of doubled down on how ridiculous of a couple they are. It's almost like a relationship movie um, in a weird way, a platonic relationship movie. Uh, and again, they just like really go into it. And uh, I don't know. I just found it to be weird. Like it's it's almost like it wanted to be really funny and be a comedy. But the issue with it is it's not funny. Like I maybe laughed once or twice in the movie, but the rest of it is just not funny. Hmm. I think there are a couple of cool things about it. You know, uh, Woody Harrelson as Carnage. Um, I mean, he's a great actor. I, I think that's pretty, pr- pretty good. The introduction scene with Carnage, I actually really liked. I was like, holy shit, this is quite wild. It, it felt terrifying and it, and it, it, you know, like gave me this like weird tingling sensation where I was like, oh man, this is kind of like a horror movie, like this, this crazy monster movie. And they, I think they nailed that aspect of the movie in the beginning, but it kind of fumbles as the movie progresses. And I think this movie is, it's only an hour and a half, which is, good it's a little bit longer than an hour and a half i believe but i feel like it almost would have benefited from being longer because everything is just relentlessly paced it's just it's just go 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 i feel like there's very little breathing room and it's it doesn't take enough time to develop its characters um in any meaningful or interesting way and uh yeah i didn't really like it (laughs) What did you think? Um, I'm on the fence with this one. I didn't hate this movie, but there's problems with it for sure. I think that Tom Hardy and Woody Harrelson are are uh, like, I feel like they're highlights of the movie. Mm-hmm. Again, I think Tom Hardy's performance is really good. I just feel like he falls into characters and he is Eddie Brock. Yeah. So I, I just kind of like that. Although I feel like I might be wrong, but there's a moment in the convenience store in which I, I swear he fell into a British accent. Oh, I don't and remember. And my girlfriend noticed it too. Oh, really? And I'm not sure that it's for sure what happened, but I, I don't want to watch it again necessarily because I didn't love this film. But I, I kind of want to watch it again just to hear or just watch that scene again just to hear if he did fall out of his accent, which I don't know. Okay, it's his fault potentially, but if you're editing the movie or you're filming it and you you should notice that, I feel like that's mm-hmm. – whenever that happens, especially with an actor like Tom Hardy, I feel like – that's not really Tom Hardy's fault completely because you have multiple takes. You're not on on stage. Mm-hmm. So it may have been one of 10 takes that he made a mistake on. Like, come on, let's redo the take here. I don't know. It's a little strange. Yeah. It was a moment where he was almost like screaming. Uh, he was like yelling in a, in a weird way in the convenience store. Anyways, I don't know. I'm not sure for sure. But otherwise, I still find like his accent, his American accent in this is very, I don't know, very New York. And I just thought that it, I mean, I'm not from New York, so I don't know how close it is, but I, I just find that I, I believe it mm-hmm. quite a bit. And I thought that Woody Harrelson did a great job too. I believe he's this crazy psychopath. And the the dichotomy they have is quite interesting. And that I, I like, I don't know, I like that whole concept. But I would agree with you completely in that specifically the movie's not long enough. They're trying to build this relationship between Venom and... Eddie Brock. That's a clear thing they're trying to do because it's like a not really Jekyll and Hyde situation because they're kind of two different beings, but they're they have to live together because they're living in the same inhabiting the same space. And it's good, but I feel like they didn't even dive into that relationship enough. Andy Circus even talks about that, how they're like an odd couple and they're trying to work out their problems. But I feel mm-hmm. like that, that that is something they they worked on throughout the movie, but they don't do it enough. And then I'd like to point out another thing I agree with, and it's funny, you said it almost the same way I wrote it in my notes, is that the dialogue is not funny. 
but it's always on the verge of being funny. Even some of the scenes are on the verge of being funny, but they're not. I just don't think this movie's very well written. No. It's a weird situation. I, I don't understand, like, because it's so close. I find it so close. Okay, I'll give it actually an excellent example because it's the beginning of the movie. We're never going to spoil any of these movies, especially if they just came out um, when we review them. Uh, unless you watch it in a closer look episode of ours, in which case we'll spoil it. But in the beginning of this film, Eddie Brock goes into the bathroom in a police station. Do you remember that? Yeah. He goes to the bathroom and he's having this conversation with Venom in the stall. And then they shoot over to the next stall over and there's a lady like listening to him talk to himself. Yeah. That was almost funny, but it wasn't funny. Yeah, dude. I I can't explain it because there should have been. Why wasn't it funny? That would have been hilarious, but they didn't shoot it properly. Her facial expression was not quite right. It just didn't hit the mark. And there's it misses the mark on repeated occasions where like – that could be funny, but it's not that funny. I'm just not laughing. I don't know. It's weird. You shouldn't be like the funny police. I, I really don't want to be like that and say, oh, this isn't funny. But I just find that I did chuckle a little bit. I didn't hate it. I just thought that a lot of it was too corny and it didn't mm-hmm. – it was trying too hard but didn't hit there. And I don't know why. It's so frustrating. I don't know. I just think the dialogue overall – is not extremely well written. And I think Tom Hardy and Woody Harrelson do a good job with the dialogue because I think Tom Hardy and Woody Harrelson could arguably potentially, you know, act out the phone book. Mm -hmm. He's read names through a phone book and they're like, wow, that was masterful. Number five. I think that was it. But in this case, I just don't think that it hits the mark. And I I just, it's frustrating though Mm -hmm. because I, I don't hate the skeleton of the movie. The overall structure is actually okay. Even though, again, it's two blobs fighting each other. It's kind of the same as the first movie, except yeah. there's a serial killer involved instead um, in uh, Cletus Cassidy, played by Woody Harrelson. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. It's a, it's a frustrating one. Like I kind of like the music. Some of the fight scenes were really well choreographed. They were really quite good. Mm-hmm. Like The last fight scene I thought was very dynamic. Like It changed quite a bit, and it was memorable to me. Yeah, I, I agree um, with you on that. Uh, despite it being, again, two blobs fighting each other, they somehow made it interesting. Whereas I feel yeah. like the first Venom movie did not at all. No, don't remember it at all. I don't remember that fight scene whatsoever. Yeah, it's so forgettable. Definitely the, the, the thing that I remember most in the first Venom movie is the scene in the restaurant. The where lobster tank. Tom baby. Hardy's in the lobster tank. The coolest thing, though, about that first movie, again, is Tom Hardy's performance. We said this like a hundred times before. Mm-hmm. And I still find that's the same thing with this movie. I just find that when I'm listening to him speak, for some something something attracts me to to that performance. He just doesn't he just doesn't seem like he's Tom Hardy, and it just amazes me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I, I look at him like, wow, you got this accent pretty down pat, and you're not really Tom Hardy like I've seen you in other movies. I'm just I think back to him in, in Inception or in The Revenant, and I just like I can't see Tom Hardy. It's hard, and mm-hmm. I, and that's the that's the biggest thing that's that's good about it, but I, I don't know. I just wish it was it was funnier. I don't know. I, I again, I don't like being the funny police. I think that that is a stupid concept, like to determine what something when something is funny. But I don't necessarily think it's not funny. It just doesn't hit the mark where it could hit it, and I can see that they're not hitting it. And I just mm. I think that's like why. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe Andy Circus isn't great with comedies. I don't know. I wish I wish it was really good because I. I like Andy Serkis as an actor like so much. And the mm-hmm. two movies he's made um, that are most popular is that Mowgli movie, like that Jungle Book adaptation. Yeah, that was the Netflix original one, I believe, right? Yeah, and then there's this one. And they're both not amazingly reviewed or 
regarded. And uh, yeah, I, I, it kind of makes me feel sad. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I wish it was amazing because I feel like it was on the cusp. But if they had more time to develop maybe Venom and Eddie Brock's relationship, as I said before, I think they could have made something better of this. But you're right. Relentless pace. It just from the scene to scene. Oh, and I will, I'll be amiss if I didn't mention this one last thing. This is the thing I hate in this movie. And I hate this in every movie. To me, by the way, you, you hate this. I think this movie is mediocrity. That's what I, I believe it to be. Mm-hmm. Good things and bad things, and they combine to be mediocre. Um, but the thing I legitimately hate, and I hate it in every movie that does it, is when a organic something, a person or a being with powers, I don't care, goes into a digital computer and manipulates it to search the internet or some such, hacking the internet, hacking the database, hacking the network. I No, do not do this in any movie. When that happens, it pisses me off because it doesn't make any sense and it's literally plot convenience in the most atrocious way possible. You're just taking a shortcut. The movie was short too. So yeah. you could have easily went into how, I'm not going to say who, but the character is investigating and they they investigate something with their blob material, organic material. You know, you don't remember what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it's uh, it's absolutely stupid, and yeah, it doesn't make any sense, any sense whatsoever. So it pissed me off. Did, did it piss you off though when you saw it? Because I rolled my eyes, like, I, like I, I feel like it was audible. Yeah, you could hear my eyes going back in my yeah, that head. That was one. That was one of the two times I laughed at the movie <laughs> because of how ridiculous. Oh yeah, I do remember that. You did laugh. <laughs> It's like, so dumb. <laughs> like I, can't, I don't think it was. It's definitely not supposed to be a comedy. Uh, that that scene in particular. But the, again, one of the two times I laughed was was when I wasn't supposed to. It's like a government database that's being hacked, and the person at the government facility is then like, "No, you'll never. You're. They'll never find us here. We'll oh never God. be found here." Yeah. And then it's like, what the frick? Will that? Like it makes it even stupider that they were able to do this. Why would the Venom power, that symbiote, why would any symbiote have a power to go into a computer through the USB drive and hack the internet? It doesn't make any sense. This is, first of all, Wreck-It Ralph is a like a, a comedy animated movie and it did it way more competently than this. And that's like a comedy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I kind of believe it in a movie like that, but this is like a serious movie. You want us to take it seriously. But I don't think they do. I, again, I don't think they do want us to take they it had seriously. To have. What do you mean? I, maybe that scene they wanted us to take it seriously, but I feel like the movie itself, again, is just it, it it's it walks this fine line of trying to be like cool and funny as well as like super serious. And I don't I think it, it fumbles multiple times. And again, they that's just, just a plot hole, though. They, yeah, th- that scene in particular, one hundred percent, is a plot hole. But again, I feel like this movie itself is just—it's—it's a—it's a tonal mess. <laughs> like, it just is. And um, yeah, I, I feel like they're—I hate to say this again—I feel like the direction of the movie is just bad. It's bad, and I don't think Andy Serkis did a great job on this. I don't know how, how much of he of this movie he had control over. And everything like that, but uh, it's the director. Yeah, he's control. We have to assume he has got full control. Full I, again, control. I don't know that it's not just the writing though, because that's written in that scene. Yeah, like, that the writing is really bad. Again, like you said in particular, like they they literally go like, "All right, we got to go in here," and then it'll like show the inside, and we're like, "No one can ever get in here. It's impossible." And it happens like four times in the movie. And again, I don't. 
like the the way they shape it or make it seem like it does it it seems like it's not supposed to be this funny line it's like quick quirky line but it feels like it should be again like it, it doesn't nail the comedy whatsoever and it is also fairly confusing i don't know when people can hear venom and when people can't like i feel like they flip-flop between that that's can- true that wasn't done well that's yeah. for sure and i'm like dude yeah. like again in the bathroom when the girl was all scared and the stall over i'm like does she also hear venom talking because he's out of like tom hardy's body talking she does but it's also the exact same voice when he walks out of the bathroom and talks to the cop and then you hear venom talking in his head and it's like okay so the cop then can't hear him because he's not out of tom hardy's body it's it's very unclear and i was very confused multiple times in the movie. maybe i'm just stupid but i was like what the fuck like i don't think i was confused as much as i was temporarily befuddled like just just for a split second mm-hmm. and then you can see that you know the cop's face is not changed yeah. you can't hear him it's clear but then there's again there's another scene that's just so badly written i just don't understand why it exists the scene in the restaurant mm-hmm his, so Eddie Brock in the first movie, he's dating this girl named Anne, and it, it kind of goes weird. It, yeah. It doesn't go very well for him, especially because of Venom. But yeah, played by Michelle Williams. Who's a great actor. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to spoil anything, so I'm not going to. But I just find if you watch this movie, you realize the restaurant scene makes no sense. That's a cruel scene. It doesn't make any it, – it, it literally why are they in the restaurant talking to each other? Yeah. Eddie Brock and Anne are talking to each other. And you wonder why though why i don't understand like how cruel are you so I, I i don't get it and then there's a conversation on a motorbike i just thought it was just obtuse it didn't make sense there was no flow of dial it didn't mm-hmm. sound like they were again they were, they were doing this thing where they're trying to be cool but try to be comedic at the same time yeah and try to be edgy at the same time cool edgy and comedic all two together in one and can you can you make it funny at that point no i don't know I don't think they did a good job in that regard. I, I just don't, but I don't think it's written well. It's just not, the dialogue just doesn't, it's many times it just doesn't, it doesn't feel like natural people are talking. Like you said with the card counter, I found that that didn't happen very often in the card counter overall, but I, I did find that it happened in this movie. Like I, I just, mm-hmm. I don't, these people are talking to each other, but when it's Tom Hardy, he's delivering his lines well and competently. And Woody Harrelson, same way, although he's a crazy, crazy person, so you never really can tell. He's not really a normal person, so mm-hmm. <laughs> it's easier for him to just say whatever the shit and nobody will care. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's just – it's mediocrity. It's mediocrity. I just don't hate it because there's a lot of good moments. I, I do think mm-hmm. Tom Hardy's good. It's a much better movie in my opinion than the first one. That's what I think. Yeah, I, I don't – I guess I agree with that because I don't remember the first movie. Like, I just don't. I Like, there's so little I remember about it. I remember I get some plot beats, but again, yeah, like, it's so forgettable, like, especially that fight scene that I, I cannot, for the life of me, even think of what happened at the end of that movie between, like, in that fight scene. I, I cannot. Whereas this one, I, I do agree with you. It is a little bit more memorable. And so, yeah, I guess I have to agree with that. It's crazy because it's Riz Ahmed. Yeah. He's the villain in that. That's what's so n- neat, too, is that Riz Ahmed's, like, blown up lately. Like, he's mm-hmm. amazing. He's just been part after part. He's like hit his stride and sound of metal. Yeah. It's just so good. He's so good in that. Mm-hmm. He could have easily won the Oscar. I think that was a toss up last, the last Oscars winning best actor. Don't know. Don't know who would have won. I kind of, I really did think that Chadwick Boseman would win. Yeah. And I hadn't seen Anthony Hopkins performance to be fair, but, and he won, but uh, I thought Riz Ahmed could win. I think you might have even said that he was going to win. I think that was your prediction. 
Yeah. Anyway. I don't remember. But yeah, I do agree. It was a toss-up. You could call it the Toskers. The Toskers. Yeah. Toss-up. Wow. Toskers. I'm going to stick with Toskers. Oof. That sounds better. That's rough. That's a rough one. I'm not really a fan of that. You're a rough one. Joke? Joke? Can we call it a joke? Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, but uh, thanks. Uh, yeah, that's the movie for me. It is okay. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I think it's bad, and I wouldn't. I don't recommend watching it. But I kind of do. But I don't. What about the scene in the prison? There's some good fight scenes, though. That they really work well choreographed. No, I, I agree, man. I, I agree. Again, I, I said like the introduction of Carnage is fucking awesome. It's nuts. I, I, like it's terrifying. I was like, holy shit, it this is. is a force to be reckoned with. And I think that that scene was amazing. But I'm sorry. I did forget one thing to say. I had it in my notes and I forgot. Rated R. This is not rated R. It's PG-13. And I think it suffers as well because of this. Mm-hmm. I do agree with you. If you're going to be edgy, be edgy. Like, don't pretend. Like You're going to try to be edgy, right? So you should be swearing. And there's like an F-bomb. And I think you laughed at that part too, mm-hmm. if I recall. Yeah. The use of fuck was good in this movie. The one... The, the one... F-bomb, because they can't use more than one because of PG-13. They use at one point, and it's like, okay, okay. It's just jarring. when It's funny. When they do that in certain movies, it's almost like it reminds you that it's a PG-13 movie when they use one F-bomb. You're, like, shocked. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, it's I a always weird think situation. of the one in Kong Skull Island as, like, peak <laughs> use of the word fuck. Yeah. Yeah, that movie's really good. I love that movie. Do you think, though, that I'm correct that they could have been rated R and it would have been a lot better? Like, oh, 100%, man. I, I like, again, I feel like, yeah, like they, it, this feels like a rated R movie that's not a rated R movie that's, again, held back by not being able to because they're literally like decapitating people. And I'm like, I want to see the blood. I want to see like the grotesque violence because it feels like yeah. it would have been way, way cooler if it was like that. And again, I'm not one of these like, oh, make everything rated R. Like, I don't need the MCU to be rated R. But I feel like this movie 100% would have benefited from that R-rated treatment. Um, and yeah, I think that's a big missed opportunity. It makes sense. Like, rated R movies just typically don't make as much money. It's harder to, you know, sell tickets to and everything like that. But it's like, who cares? Yeah. I mean, I guess the business does. So they care. Sony. But you know what I mean. Yes. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Uh, but yeah. Um, again, I think this uh, this movie's kind of yeah. It's, it's, I think it's a bad movie. But uh, the one thing that I think is super interesting about this movie is the uh, again that, that introduction of Carter and I mentioned it. Blah blah blah. But uh, the uh, end credit scene is actually very interesting and it had me intrigued. Obviously, I don't want to talk about that here because it's very spoilerish. And again, that, I think that's. The main reason, like, I don't know if you saw, but Sony like released a, a picture and it was like a venom, uh, like with his, like, I guess, finger over his mouth, just like, shh, no spoilers or whatever. I did. Um, and again, while watching this movie, I was like, what the fuck can even be spoiled? Like, this is so predictable. Um, and then eventually it got to the end credits and I'm like, oh, that's what they don't want spoiled. It makes sense. Uh, but yeah, again, don't want to spoil that here. Right. So we're going to do in a closer look episode specifically to talk about that. And a little bit more of the stuff that, you know, there's not that much revealed throughout the movie, but we can talk about some of those little tidbits that we don't want to spoil in this particular mm-hmm. episode. But we're going to launch on a, a closer look episode. I'm thinking, I'm thinking Wednesday. Whoa. Yeah. Quick turnaround. Closer look, of course, a bonus episode series of our show in which we kind of go into the spoilery concepts that we don't want to reveal on our regular podcast, Adrian. Whoa. Indeed. Okay, Whoa. then. 
All right. All right. Let's move on to the news, shall we? Sure. Oh, you said sure. Oh, wow. Psych. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to psych. Let's just go. Let's begin with a small collection of more focused stories that have been particularly pertinent this week. Number one. According to The Verge reporter Alex Heath, Netflix CEO Ted Sarandos recently released a document to CodeCon that showed a large chunk of data pertaining to Netflix's viewership numbers. Netflix is usually relatively closed off when it comes to showing off the viewership data for their TV series or movies, but every once in a while, they surprise us. In this case, one part of the posted data shows Netflix's top 10 films and top 10 TV series based upon the number of accounts that logged in to watch at least two minutes of each property during their first 28 days on Netflix. Sarandos' second data slide demonstrated Netflix's most popular series and films based upon total watch hours during each property's first 28 days on Netflix. According to these viewership records, the Shonda Rhimes-produced period drama Bridgerton is the most popular Netflix original TV series for both measured metrics, with 82 million accounts having tuned in at a total of 625 million hours watched. On the film side of things, Extraction is the movie that attracted the most overall viewers, with 99 million accounts having watched at least two minutes of the Mm -hmm. Chris Hemsworth starring action thriller. But Bird Box technically holds the Netflix record for most overall viewing hours in its first 28 days, at a total of 282 million hours watched. On the TV side of things, other shows like Lupin, Stranger Things, The Witcher, and Money Heist are Netflix's most consistently popular entries. Meanwhile, Spencer Confidential, Six Underground, Enola Holmes, and The Irishman seem to have roped subscribers in on the film side of Netflix. Overall, the newly released data is quite interesting, with Sarandos also having pointed out that this is meant to be the start of a more transparent Netflix in regards to viewership data going forward. Adrian, Netflix user data has been released. What are you thinking about this? What are you thinking about who... uh, which shows are doing the best? Which movies are doing the best? What do you? What are your thoughts? I don't know. Uh, I think this is like super interesting. Honestly, I like that they're going in this direction and and revealing all this information. I love, I love shit like this. It makes it a lot more intriguing, and I feel like this is far more accurate than something like the Nielsen ratings, which I feel like is such an outdated sort of way to track numbers for TV shows. Um, well, they don't track Netflix original TV so shows, right? So like they can't. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's cool to be able to compare. Um, simply put, and I, I like that Netflix is doing this. Um, I honestly, yeah, like in terms of the most popular series, like it's it's quite interesting to me that like Lupin is so is literally number two. I don't know why I didn't expect that. I remember when that show came out and it seemed quite interesting, but I guess it wasn't. Or I guess it was way more popular than I ever would have guessed it to be. It's a it's an interesting one. Um, and again, there's a lot of shows on this list w- that I'm quite surprised about or happy to see. Sweet Tooth in particular, you know, being watched by 60 million people is or 60 million accounts is fantastic. And it makes me confident. I know they already announced a season two, but it makes me confident that maybe we'll get more uh, of, of that show even following that if, if this trend continues to go forward. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I like this. Uh, it's quite disappointing to see project power in the top 10 films watched. Cause that movie's just, that's a shit movie. We can both agree, right? It wasn't the greatest. Yeah. It's a bad movie, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of interesting info on this. What, what interests you the most? Uh, 
I don't know. I kind of already kind of figured a lot of these because Extraction was at the top the last time they released their mm-hmm. numbers. It was between Extraction and Bird Box for the film side. And I kind of figured most of these. I actually did figure Lupin because Lupin was actually top trending on my own Netflix. And they, I think Sarandos or Hastings, either one of them came out and said that Lupin is extremely popular. Mm-hmm. People really like Lupin. And Money Heist, I've heard about Money Heist so much. I know, and Money too. Heist was almost a meme everywhere for a little while. And uh, it's even got like a somehow it's got skins in the video game Watchdogs by Ubisoft, which is really silly. And uh, cool. it seems because it's not really that relevant, but I, I it's it's interesting. It's that big around the world. And I think the biggest ones are the ones that are internationally loved. Mm-hmm. That's the the ones that do the best. The Witcher is almost it almost surprises me because I guess it makes sense though because the author of The Witcher was Polish. He is Polish, yeah. so I guess that kind of makes sense there. People also like Henry Cavill a lot, so they do. Yeah, they do indeed. And I'd imagine, based on this data, this viewership data, that's the reason why they're making Extraction Two. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like despite the way that Extraction One apparently ends. Yeah. Uh, so, I guess that's a thing. Uh, yeah. Other than that, uh, Bird Box is kind of surprising, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how surprising <laughs> that is because, again, like like you said about Money Heist, like Bird Box was a legitimate meme. People were doing the Bird Box challenge for what felt like years after that movie came out. Like doing the dumb shit where they like blindfold themselves and walk through hallways or walk through like random things. It's, it was just dumb. Um, the movie itself is like pretty okay as well. But again, I feel like Bird Box came out fairly shortly after uh, A Quiet Place, if I recall correctly. And I feel like a lot of people were just feeling that sort of uh, style of film. Um, but yeah, it's uh, t- to me, that that's not too surprising. Again, that Bird Box challenge took the world by storm, man. But yeah, Money Heist is a, one of those shows I, I, I've heard so much about it too, man. Like, I really want to watch it. It's definitely on my list. I know it's finishing up. Like, I think the final season is currently on. So, might be a good time to get through all that. Yeah. yeah. Indeed. 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 I was thinking, actually, it's, it's interesting to look at what is popular on one side of the chart in terms of accounts tuned in mm-hmm. versus the other side of the chart, which is how many hours you watched. Mm-hmm. I do find that kind of interesting in that the Irishman is so high up on the on the list for hours watched view hours because it's the longest movie like ever. <laughs> it's so long. Yeah, it's like isn't it like four hours long? <laughs> it's like three and a half or three and a half hours or something. Yeah. And so I just find it funny because it's not on the other side. Like the accounts tuned in, but that also I, I like that concept because the people who tuned into the Irishman watched it to the end mm-hmm. clearly. So yeah. like it's that's what it represents to me. It's interesting to extrapolate. Well, you can from both of these charts because it's kind of kind of neat. I also like the concept that 13 Reasons Why Season 3 is just not on there at all. It just <laughs> stops with Season 2. Yeah, I think people realized. And they're like, we don't like this show anymore. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not on either side of the chart. There's no, there's no 13 Reasons Why Season 3 at all. Yeah. What interests me as well is that Kissing Booth 2. How long is that movie? Why is it the number four in the most viewed hours? But not on the other list. So, that, so I think kissing, the kissing two. What? The kissing two is what I'm gonna call it. It's my new name for it. The kissing tooth. Two. I don't understand why you're pausing. It that, that doesn't make that doesn't add to the joke. It's to clarify. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. I, 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 my 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 head is fuzzy. But regardless. The kissing booth, I think that what that represents to me is that people really like the kissing booth 
so they watch to the end of the movie. But some of these other films that are knocked off the the list, the list, people don't watch to the end because they're like, yeah. oh, okay, I've had enough of that. But somehow, because the Kissing Booth Two is so popular that the people who are fans of it are really fans of it, mm-hmm. and that they also maybe they watched it repeatedly. That also could be a reason for that too, because it's accounts number of accounts yeah. viewed it. So maybe it's good call. People love the kissing booth too so much. The people who do love it, they've watched it multiple times. The kissing tooth. Yeah. What? What are you saying? The kissing tooth. Yeah. Now it's the kissing tooth. Now you're not pausing anymore. Tooth. Okay. This is it's gotten old. Anyways, do you have anything else to extrapolate from this data? Anything else that's interesting to you? Uh, I mean, no, not necessarily. Uh, like, yeah, I think I've said what I, I needed to say about this. It's a very interesting list. I, I suggest everyone uh, look at it. Look at this list. Check out this photo, this photograph of this list. Indeed. Number two, according to The Hollywood Reporter, production has just begun on the Paul King-directed Wonka film starring Timothy Chalamet as chocolatier Willy Wonka. <gasps> The movie is designed to be an origin story to discover what exactly makes Willy Wonka tick. Timothy Chalamet will apparently be acting alongside a star-studded cast with a crown actress, Olivia Colman, Shape of Water actress, Sally Hawkins, and Blackadder actor, Rowan Atkinson, (gasps) all starring in the film. Adrian, the Wonka movie with Paddington 2 director Paul King. What are you thinking? You know what I'm thinking, Simon? Is I have no attachment really to Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, either of the movies. I think I watched. Did the, you see the first one? I don't think the so. One with the one with Gene, Gene Wilder? Wilder. I don't think so. Oh, okay. If I did. I don't remember. I definitely saw the Johnny Depp one, but I did not like it. That was not nearly as good. So realistically, I, I'm, I'm not super interested in this movie, but I am interested in it simply because Paul King, the director of one of the greatest movies ever created Paddington two. And Paddington, one, who directed both, is directing this movie. So it, bring, it, it definitely uh, brings my interest level up. And yeah, it, I, it mm. I guess being a prequel um, means I don't really have to know what happens next. I'll probably watch the original movie prior to this one coming out. But yeah. You should watch the, well, it's a it's a book first. It's like Roald Dahl. But yeah, I don't know. Is it is it important to watch the first movie? I feel like... Timothy Chalamet's casting was because he kind of could be seen to look kind of similar to Gene Wilder. I think that was on purpose. I could be wrong, but I feel like they're they're maybe going to have him channel or he's looking to channel Gene Wilder's performance in the the first mm-hmm. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory movie. Yeah, it's not for his acting avil- ability. It's just because he looks slightly like Gene Wilder. Well, that he can pull off the... What do you mean? He can pull off the acting of what Gene Wilder, because Gene Wilder does such a great job in that yeah. movie. You should watch that movie. I legitimately do believe that it's worth it. Mm. Like it, it is really good. And there's moments in that that are shocking for what is arguably a kid's movie. It, um, you ever watch, you've watched Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, right? The animated, yeah. animated movie, obviously. Yeah. There's a, there's a scene in that where the, where she's like running through the forest that genuinely frightened me as a child. And, I swear the scene in which they go through the tunnel in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is worse. It's it's very frightening. Mm. There's like images of chickens getting their heads cut off cool. and like bugs crawling on people's faces. Oh, it's it's like very that. creepy. And it's very interesting that they put that into this movie. I, I really do like that movie. It's it's very wacky and weird and 
I don't know. It's almost like creepy, and I I really like it. And Gene Wilder, Wilder's performance is really good. Mm. It, it's it's worth the watch for sure. I, I don't. I watched the other one too, Charlie and the Chocolate Chocolate Factory. I get those two titles get confused. I was about to say that before. I, you, I don't know if you have that same issue, but I I sometimes say it interchangeably. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is a 1971 film, and oh, okay. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is the Johnny Depp movie. Okay. Just to be clear, because they're not the same name, the same. But anyway, is is the is the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, is that a remake of the original movie or is that like a sequel? Do you know? No, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Again, they're just trying to go for the book. They're just trying oh. to adapt the book. I think they're both adapting the book by Roald Dahl. And they, I, I believe, I didn't read the book, so I, I don't have the greatest perspective. But, I, but from my understanding, the Johnny Depp movie is actually much more close to the book, or at least it was trying to be a more honest adaptation. Okay. Uh, or more truthful adaptation. And and then you have the other one, which is just lo- beloved. And I feel like I just, I think it's a genuinely really good movie. Like it's not just a, a good adaptation. Like it's a, it's a, I just think it's a really good movie. And again, I haven't read the book, so maybe it's a terrible adaptation, but I just think that it's very well done. Interesting. But to speak to the cast just mm-hmm. briefly, like Rowan Atkinson, He's a he's a classic. He's he's a he's a legend. Like obviously he played Mr. Bean, the Mr. Bean, uh, Johnny English. Mm-hmm. Wow, you know, yeah, fantastic. But then you got Sally Hawkins, who's nominated for an Academy Award. I don't think she won, but she was nominated for Shape of Water. Mm-hmm. And you got Olivia Coleman, who just won an Emmy for The Crown. Mm-hmm. This is a good. This is a great cast. And Timothy Chalamet is amazing. He's been great in everything I've seen him in. He is. Yeah, he's a really good actor. It's a it's a recipe for success because Paul King has made such a beloved series with Paddington. I think we're it's going to be good. It's going to be a good movie. We'll we'll, we'll see what happens, but uh, it, it's it, there's nothing there's nothing here to make me think that this is going to be disappointing, but we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Number 3. As publication deadline reports, actress Scarlett Johansson has settled her lawsuit with Disney. Johansson has been suing Disney over Black Widow's lack of theatrical exclusivity. Her contract had stipulated that she would make a large chunk of her income from theater ticket sales, but Disney launched Black Widow on Disney Plus with premiere access on the same day as its theatrical debut. Deadline sources say that the settlement costed Disney $40 million, but it appears as though the Johansson-Disney feud is no more, with Disney apparently still collaborating with Johansson for the upcoming live-action Tower of Terror movie. In reference to the settlement, Scarlett Johansson said in a statement, quote, I am happy to have resolved our differences with Disney. I am incredibly proud of the work we've done together over the years and have greatly enjoyed my creative relationship with the team. I look forward to continuing our collaboration in years to come, unquote. Adrian, the Scarlett Johansson Disney feud is no more. What are you thinking? Good for Scarlett. Good for Scarlett Johansson getting uh, getting paid what she deserved uh, with that settlement. Um, I'm not I'm not surprised that it went this way. I, I I assumed that this is kind of the way it would go. Honestly, you know, money talks at the end of the day, and obviously Disney was gonna pay up, um, which is I'm, I'm glad they did. I'm glad that she got the money owed. Um, in in her shoes, I honestly like it's. Good for her, I guess, just getting over it. I mean, you are getting paid millions of dollars, but God, that I still think about that statement that was made when, you know, like essentially calling out her being upset about, you know, 
not getting paid because of how the world is and everything. And the, the audacity of that statement was just so ridiculous. But, uh, you know, it's cool. Um, I think Scarlett Johansson's obviously a very great actress. And uh, I think she's going to be awesome in this Tower of Terror movie, I'm sure, <laughs> um, or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What do you think? It's cool. Yeah, I'm glad she she won because it, it was just ridiculous. I think they had initially, just before the settlement, they pushed the court date to like March 2022. Mm. So this would have been an ongoing saga for months. And I think it's just the Disney PR is like, why why are we doing this? <laughs> I don't understand. Is this worth it? This makes us look like shit. Mm-hmm. It's not doing well for our image. And there's no point in not paying the star who will likely make us millions of dollars later on. Mm-hmm. Why would we want to alienate her fans and her team? It's just ridiculous. It is. So I'm glad they did this because it's just so stupid. But anyway, it's just, it is what it is. And again, we've talked about this before. Yeah, whatever. She made $20 million on, at a, on a flat rate for Black Widow. Oh, what? Oh, now she's making an extra forty million. Like, does she deserve that? Uh, yeah, she does deserve that because, like, many actors make just as much as that. Robert Downey Jr. made a shit ton of money for Endgame and Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure exactly the figures, but I'm pretty sure it's more than sixty million. So, I, I don't really think a lot of million. It's that big of a deal. I'm actually curious. Actually, I should look that up because maybe I'm wrong. But uh, again, we said this before. It doesn't matter how much you make if the contract says something. And you're not making that thing that it says. You can't let people walk all over you. It just doesn't. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah, she's rich. Great, that's awesome. Yeah. But it is what it is. I feel like it was Disney that publicized the twenty million dollars that she was making in the first place. Mm. So it's like you're going to tell everyone that she makes that much so that the public will be on your side. Yeah. But you said it in such an obtuse, egregious way. You know? Mm. How dare you? How dare you sue us in a time? Of COVID. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit ridiculous. So I just looked this up real quick. Um, according to Forbes, Robert Downey Jr. made about $75 million for Endgame. There you go. Much bigger movie, mind you. So I'm not sure $60 million makes sense for Black Widow necessarily just based on popularity. But who cares? It, it, it's, I mean, she is the star. It is, she is the star and she's the sole star, whereas Robert Downey Jr. is not for that film. Yeah. It's an ensemble. And ultimately... Yeah, if, if Scarlett Johansson wasn't in Black Widow, then that movie would be nothing. So it, mm-hmm. it makes sense. It, it, it makes sense, but you can't. You also can't. You can't. It's not. It's like tomato, to, tomato, tomato. I don't know what I'm going to say. Tomato, tomato. It's more like tomato, potato. You can't really compare them. Mm-hmm. Uh, apples and oranges is the better phrase. They're not really the same. Tomato, potato. I like tomato, potato. Yeah, we're gonna. <laughs> that's the thing we're gonna use from now on. It's like tomato, potato. They're, they're not the same thing. Like you can't compare one movie to another movie. They're not equals. I'm sure that Disney probably does do that. And that's probably what Scarlett Johansson said when she argued it because that actually mm-hmm. – she is the sole star of that film that's making people come to the theaters theoretically. I mean people like Florence Pugh and David Arbor, but yeah. they're not as – they don't have the star poor uh, – the, the star power. The star power that Scarlett Johansson star has. David Harbar. Why do you say it Harbar? Harbor. Isn't it David Arbor? Is it Arbor? Isn't it Harbor? Harbor. Isn't that what I'm saying? You say Arbor. I don't know. Whatever. Like a pirate. Arr, matey. David Arbor. All right. Anyways, so good stuff. Also, in the Deadline article, I'd, I'd like to m- mention 20 million downloads, apparently. Deadline sources claim 
20 million downloads. You know what that's for, Adrian? That's the, uh, Premier Access, 35 bucks a piece? Piracy. Oh, 20 million piracy downloads. Piracy downloads. Oh, man. Yeah. Speaking of David David Arbor, piracy yeah. downloads. Jesus. That's a lot of downloads, man. If you do some quick math, realistically, you know, like if all those pirate pirates were to pay for that amount of money, what was it, $35 or something ridiculous? Uh, 30, yeah. For download like that's 35 dollars no let's say 30 because it's 30 dollars in the united states just to yeah, make that's it. like 700 uh well i did 35 that's 700 million um like canadian dollars wow so which is which is at least 10 bucks american that's crazy eh? yeah oh no, you can't really do that calculation necessarily if we're people are going to pirate it regardless but yeah. i'm just saying like hypothetically yeah, yeah. by the yeah. way great segue once again with the pirate reference david arbor arbor I like that. Wow, you're just killing it with the. This is the uh, the episode of masterful, masterful segues from Adrian Pinter here. Seven, masterful segues. Anyways, nine. Adrian, now onto the montage, a sequence of our show in which I briefly present this week's smaller news stories as Adrian delivers a brisk verdict. Number one, as reported by publication Variety, sci-fi classic Babylon Five is being rebooted on network The CW with original creator J. Michael Strachninsky set to write and produce the series. Um, I, I'm not familiar with Babylon 5, but I'm sure this will be bad since it's on CW. So. I don't know. We got the same creator. Babylon 5 is a cult classic, Adrian. I don't know. Is it? This is going to be an interesting one, yeah. Do you like it? Did you watch it? I did not. Number two, as publication deadline reports, after 11 years off the air, NBC is reviving TV series Law & Order for a 21st season with original executive producer Dick Wolf returning to produce. Why'd you say Dick like that? <laughs> Why'd you emphasize it so hard? I emphasize Dick Wolf because he's such a he's a he's a known figure in the producing world. It's true. Yeah. You ever watched Law and Order? It, every episode ends mm -hmm. with Dick Wolf's name. That's true. I have, especially Law and Order SVU. There you go. You know, you remember that famous line, Simon, in Law and Order SVU? Do you? I'm sure you're gonna tell me. I have relationships with women and sex with men. And then, and, and Ice T's all like, "Well, I got news for you. That means you're gay." And the music plays up. It's one of the greatest scenes of all time. Oh, that's the reference you make at the end of the montage every, every week. Every single week. Every single week, baby. Oh my God, no way. No, obviously I remember that. Anyways, number three, as Variety reports, animated spy comedy TV series Archer has been renewed for a thirteenth season on FXX. That's uh, that's great. It makes me sad. Um, just uh, reminded me of uh, Jessica Walter's passing. Made me really sad. Indeed. Number four. As Deadline reports, the boys spinoff series about a college for soups has been greenlit by Amazon with Michelle Fazekas and Tara Butters confirmed as showrunners for the series. Cool. We've uh, we've known uh, that this was in the works for quite a while. I'm excited to see what's, uh, what's going to come of it. Number five. According to Deadline, Spider-Man Homecoming director John Watts has teamed up with actors Brad Pitt and George Clooney for an Apple TV Plus thriller film about two solo fixers contracted for the same job. Oh, that seems like it's going to be a fun one. I'm intrigued. Number six. 
As The Hollywood Reporter notes, The Sopranos creator David Chase has signed a five-year deal with Warner Brothers to create further film and TV content for HBO Max. Oh, interesting. I wonder if it's going to be more Sopranos or if it's just going to be something new, wholly original. Number seven. As Variety reports, actor Helena Bonham Carter is set to reprise her role as Eudoria Holmes alongside Millie Bobby Brown and Henry Cavill in the upcoming Enola Holmes 2. Oh, neato. Nino, I'm excited to watch Enola Holmes, the sequel. Number eight. As Variety reports, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt starring and directed Apple TV Plus drama series Mr. Corman has been cancelled after one season. Oh, that's unfortunate. I didn't watch it, but uh, I wanted to. I failed. I failed Joe jo Gorlev. Number nine. As Variety reports, Judas and the Black Messiah director Shaka King has signed a new contract with FX to create TV content for the network. Cool. Number 10, as Variety reports, the Mandalorian spin-off series, The Book of Boba Fett, will officially premiere on Disney Plus on December 29th, 2021. Ooh, ending the year with something cool. And that concludes the montage. Oh, montage, it's concluded. All right, Adrian. What do you got for me? Let's hear this SVU reference here. I got new releases for you. Oh. Yeah. So this is for the week of October the 4th to October the 10th. That's a Monday to a Sunday as it regularly is. There's not much uh, stuff coming out this week, honestly. Not much that I could find at least. And the first of this not much is a movie coming out on Tuesday, October the 5th. And it's called God's Not Dead, We the People. This is confirmed by Movie Insider and the Apple TV app. However, on the Apple TV app, it doesn't say the pre-order date. Like it's available for pre-order, but doesn't say the release date as it regularly does. But everywhere else I checked said that it's coming out on the fifth. So I'm standing by it. This is the fourth movie in the God's Not Dead franchise. Really? Yeah. Never I've even never heard, heard of this. Of this. Yeah, me neither. Hmm. Yeah. Anyways, next up is uh, a movie coming out on Wednesday, October the sixth. There's someone inside your house, Simon. There's someone inside your house. Oh, you're telling me. Oh, yeah. I'm looking around. Oh, yeah. No, my girlfriend's here. Oh, okay. Makes sense. But there's someone inside your house is also a movie coming to Netflix, Simon. Oh, and, wow. and presumably there's someone inside their house in the movie. <laughs> presumably. The protagonist's character. Probably someone inside their house. And they're like, who's in my house? Get out of my house is what they're going to say. And the, then the person in the house, probably not going to want to. Probably not going to want to leave. Maybe. Probably wants to stay inside their house. Anyways. Maybe they'll just leave. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I was in the wrong house. I'm yes. sorry. I just traveled across dimensions and I landed on your bed. I'm sorry. I'm leaving. Oh, my goodness. Goodbye. Oh, my goodness. I am sorry. I'm getting out of here this very moment. And I apologize. I'm so sorry. It's a really short movie. It's only like five minutes long. It's actually a short film. It's a short film. Takes longer to say the title of the movie than than the than the than the movie itself. Um. Anyways, coming up next is uh, the day October the eighth, which is a Friday. Uh, there's a few movies coming out this week, and the first one is a movie called Grudge. This is a Netflix original movie, and it's not to be confused by the horror movie, The Grudge. Oh. Mm-hmm. Pokemon the movie Secrets of the S uh, of the Jungle. Simon is the net next. Netflix original movie and it's the next one on my list it's a netflix original movie and it's the next one on my list and uh what secrets will ash and pikachu find in this forest in this jungle i don't know 
I don't know. Yeah, fair enough. My Brother, My Sister is the next Netflix original movie coming out, and it's about a father that forces his kids to live together again to reform their bond and become a family again. Oh. Yeah. Exciting. Next up is a movie. Huh? Very exciting. Yeah, very. Yeah, very. The Manor is coming up next, and this is confirmed by Movie Insider, and uh, I didn't write down a second source. But anyway, it's confirmed by Movie Insider. And it's coming out on Amazon Prime Video, and it's about a 70-year-old woman who has a stroke and is put into a long-term care facility where she begins to see haunting visions. But alas, no one is willing to listen to her about it and and think she's just old. Oh, no. <laughs> just think she's an old lady. Your dementia's acting up. You went into that person's house. <laughs> when, we to- when we told you not to, you went into that person's house. They had to ask you to leave. And you just left. In that Netflix original movie that was listed earlier. It's a crossover event. Mm-hmm. Amazon and Netflix teaming up. Yeah. Uh, next up is a movie called Madras. It's confirmed by Movie Insider in the ta- trailer. This is an Amazon Prime video movie. And this movie looks spooky, Simon. It's about a married couple that moves into a new house in like a tiny town and the wife is pregnant, but apparently you're not supposed to have babies in this town because weird stuff starts happening apparently. Oh dear. Yeah. Yeah. Muppets Haunted Mansion is coming up next. It's confirmed by Movie Insider and Google. It's coming to Disney Plus. It's a Disney Plus original Haunted Mansion special following the Muppets. Okay. Um, I don't really, I have no real big attachment to the Muppets. I don't really like the Muppets. Why? I don't know. What did they do to you? They hurt me when I was young. Oh. They called me names. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's not a fan. I, I really liked, and I watched it so many times, but Muppet Treasure Island. That's the movie yeah. I watched the most from the Muppets. I think I might have mentioned that on a podcast previous. Mm-hmm. I've definitely watched it. You watched Muppet Treasure Island? Mm-hmm. I think so. Oh. You didn't like it? Not that I didn't like it. I just didn't love it. Like, I, I don't know. I've never been a huge Muppets person. Yeah. Okay. I'm not all, all up on those Muppets. That's fair. You know? Yeah. Anyways, coming up next is a movie called James Bond, No Time to Die. It's coming to theaters, and there's so much time to die, apparently, because it's been delayed so many times. Oh, clever. Wow. Thanks. And this last movie coming out is a movie called Lamb. It's coming to theaters, and it's about a couple that finds something in their barn that defies nature, Simon. Is it a lamb? Presumably. Mm. Or not your typical mm. lamb. Oh. Maybe it's the lamb of God, Simon. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Are you going to watch uh, James Bond No Time to Die this week? Is that your plan? Is that what you want to do? I got to binge the other three James Bond movies then. Yes. I'll do it for you if you want to. I'll I don't do know. You for- don't seem interested. You don't seem keen. You're not a James Bond guy. No. I think he's an asshole. You don't like, you don't like watching asshole characters. James Bond is an asshole, but uh, I'll I'll watch it. I'll 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 try to watch those other three movies. I own them. I own those three movies. They're probably on a streaming service, but I own them. You own them. I bought them like digitally. There was like a bundle or something. I bought. It. I think I bought like all all four movies for like twenty bucks, something like that. Oh, really? A while back, yeah. When I watched Casino Royale. I see. Yeah. I think I actually bought it physically. I found it in like a clearance bin or something like that. And then it had like a, like a, like a Google play code. Oh, so I own them. That's cool. I have access. Will I watch them? I don't know. I don't know the order. 
So Casino Royale is the first one. I'm not going to rewatch that. I watched that like a year ago. What's the second one called? Quantum of Solace. And then it's Spectre. Nope. Then it's Skyfall. And then it's then it's Skyfall, and then it's Spectre. Right. Correct. Okay. Yeah, Skyfall would be the second best, if not the best. Whoa. That movie's very good, in oh. my opinion. I think Quantum of Solace. I've said this before. Goes through the motions, and then Spectre. He's not bad. I just don't love it. I, I don't know. It's a weird one. But I do. I really do like Skyfall a lot. And Casino Royale, I did like, but you did not. So I'm not sure where you'd be at. Not that I didn't like. I, yeah, I didn't love the movie. I thought it was like okay. I just don't like James Bond. Yeah. But I think like Mads Mikkelsen did a really good job. Miguel Son, I think he did an amazing job. Oh, so you like the villain, but yeah. you don't like the asshole James Bond. This is this, exactly this. this Theory is wearing thin here. Okay, this is your belief system. The clothes you're you're wearing are thin. What? I can see right through your clothes. You can't even see me. I'm not even oh. in the same room as you. Are you sure? Yes. So I mean, I did say there's someone inside your house. I never said who. We've been social distancing with COVID during this podcast for months. So you're not in my house. In fact, Maybe I'm at the I front am. door. So. How is it that you got inside the house? So you went inside and you set up your equipment and you, you're recording. Where are you? Yeah. Where, where are you right now? Huh? I'm inside your house. I'm not, I'm I'm not going to say where. I'm not going to tell you. And, I'll, and you I'll didn't get picked up by my knowing. camera. Hmm? My camera didn't pick you up either. You just no. you slipped by it. Oh, dude, I slipped by it. You'd think I was James Bond the way I got into your house all sneakily. Sneakily, yeah. yeah. If James Bond is anything, he's sneakily. Mm-hmm. All right, then. Thank you, Adrian, for joining me. Do you have anything to add to our audience? Anything to say to them before we uh, wrap this wrap this little guy up? No. Well, I have one brief thing to say. If you don't mind subscribing to our podcast, you know, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Amazon, if you're listening on, on those particular services, mm-hmm. please do. We're also on YouTube as well. That's the Focus Podcast. And um, yeah. I don't know what else to say. Oh, other than, oh, you should probably write into us. There's lots of things that we say on this show. We say lots of garbage and we want your garbage as well. So please write into us with your garbage that we will address on this show. It could be anything. You can ask us what our favorite toothpaste is. We will answer that question. Okay. I'm interested to tell you what my favorite toothpaste is, but I will not tell you unless you write into us at splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com. That's splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com. Please. Write into us with your letters, hmm. and we will address your comments, questions, or corrections on our show. Those are all good things, yeah. Indeed. Thank you very much for listening to the 66th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and this is Adrian Pinter signing off. Execute episode 66. It's a good one. It's a good one. Um, you know who uh, wouldn't have uh, executed Order 66, Simon. Do you know who wouldn't have? Batman. In the good movie Batman v Superman. He would not have executed Order 66. It's a good movie. Take care. Goodbye. Goodbye. Executed episode 66.